Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Independent Dealer Podcast. This week, we have a truly special guest. Again, I think that Luke may have bribed someone or extorted to get Peter Kelly here, even though he's very generous with his time. His NIADA session will be airing on the 6th. He is the president of Car Global. Peter, introduce yourself. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Peter Kelly, president of Car Global. Delighted to be here uh, today. And uh... Thanks for the invitation. All it took was an invitation, but uh, more than happy to be here to, to have the opportunity to talk to uh, a broad audience of independent dealers. You know, you might know us better from uh, our brands Odessa, AFC, TradeRev, Autonique, and others. Uh, collectively, Car Global is the is the parent company, and uh, very excited to be here and looking forward to this conversation. Just a quick wrap up. This is what we did this week. It's all about flexibility. It's all about doing our core business. And it's about the digital transition. So take notes, listen to what Peter has to say, because this is truly the way to the future. You are listening to the Independent Dealer Podcast with hosts Luke Godwin and Jeff Watson. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's do this. Tell us, what do you see as the biggest kind of lessons we've learned or surprises that are coming out of all of this for the dealer community? Yeah, well, great, great question. And I think probably true that for most of us, you know, had you asked any of us on the 1st of January, what sort of year would we have? Nobody would have guessed the year that we've had. So it's yeah. just been remarkable, probably maybe the most unusual year any of us have experienced in business uh, with the advent of, you know, coronavirus uh, specifically. Uh, I think there was a period there we thought, you know, what's happening? Is the whole world like coming to an end? Do we even have a business? Will people even ever get, get, leave their house again? And then we had this, you know, huge rebound and and really strong automotive market, you know, uh, through the summer where, you know, a lot of consumer demand and maybe not enough supply and prices going up. And, you know, I think what we're settling into now is maybe, um, you know, a little bit of a new normal, I would say. Um, I don't think we're out of the woods yet by any stretch, but I think we've got to sort of our, our handle around what, uh, what sort of environment we're in. And I think we've got some economic challenges still ahead as a country, you know, we got high unemployment, uh, we've got to find our way out of that, get back to full employment. That's probably going to take a bit of time. Um, so, you know, what would I say are key lessons? You know, I think we got to stay flexible. You know, we started this year with a certain plan and a certain roadmap, and we were doing well in January and February, and by the middle of March, we had to change the whole thing because uh, the situation changed. And I, I know that wasn't just us. That was probably just about every business out there, including, you know, most independent car dealers as well. Uh, so we all had to sort of be flexible, react quickly, and I think in a time like that, you've got to really, you know, drill into, okay, you know, focus in on your core, what really matters in business? What, you know, what do I need to do to keep the lights on, to keep serving my customers? Um, and maybe some of the, the stuff a little bit to the edge, you know, maybe is a little less important in a time of, uh, you know, crisis. Um, and that's certainly what we did, you know, try to focus on, well, you know, if we can't, we have to do social distancing and we can't have auctions open. Well, how can we enable our dealers to be successful and can we get them in through our online tools? And we really put a strong focus on, on digital, you know, uh, and that proved very successful. And frankly, you know, we've seen tremendous adoption by dealers of, of digital tools. And I think, you know, we've all kind of learned maybe new ways of doing business, you know, we've yeah. probably yeah. learned new ways of doing business. And I personally don't think it's ever going to go back all the way to where it was. I think we've, there's been a big change and some of that change is going to stick, right? Now, some of it may revert a little bit, but a lot of this stuff we've learned how to, you know, even at our company, our employees have been working from home. 
right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of them want to continue to work from home. Um, and I guess finally, you know, communication is really important. You know, communication, um, and I'm talking about here about the organizations we run. You know, when there's a time of uncertainty, your employees are scared, they don't know what's around the corner. Um, you know, you gotta be open and candid with them. You can't, you know, you gotta be, you gotta deal with the facts, but I do think it's important if people know what the facts are, maybe they're a little less scared, you know? Uh, so I think communication was really important with us both with our employees and with our customers. I agree, Peter. Uh, communication, I, the biggest thing we can do in, our, in an organization is communicate properly to our staff. It keeps them from being on edge. And it also, uh, if we can communicate properly with them, then we can communicate properly with our customers and, and we are, are good to go then. So with, with all this has happened in, during this time, what industry changes do you see moving forward? Um, and, and what is the new normal look like to you? Yeah, you know, I think, and, I, and you know, I speak to this in my uh, presentation at NI80 in a couple of weeks, I'll be speaking to this, but I think, you know, first of all, one new normal for me is it really brings home what we're all about why we're in business. And I think at the end of the day, we're in business to give consumers safe and reliable transportation. And I think we've all had this greatly increased focus on our personal safety, you know, and where are we safe? I think consumers have realized, hey, I feel safe in my home, and I feel safe in my car, right? Uh, and uh, that safety in your car, I think, is, is really good for our business, for NIADA, for independent dealers, for all of us, right? Um, we need to get from A to B, and we don't quite feel as safe on the bus or the train or the plane or the Uber, but we do feel safe in our car. Uh, so I think one new normal is private vehicle ownership. I always felt that was strong. Mm. I always felt, you know, that was going to continue to drive our business. But I think that's gotten a boost uh, uh, through this process. And the second one I'd say is, I think pick your industry, pick any industry you want. COVID has accelerated a digital transition that was already happening in that industry. And I think that's true in our industry, whether you're on the retail side of the business or whether you're on the wholesale side of the business. Consumers and dealers were getting more comfortable buying online, selling online. And that was, that's been true for many years. But then we went through a situation from March to, to the present where that got, that got accelerated further. And I've heard people say that, you know, when you look at various industries, they've kind of achieved, you know, three years of digital transformation in three months, right? sure. you know, March, April, May. And I think that's true in our business. And I don't think it's ever going to go back again, like I said, to exactly the way it was. It may go back a bit. We may find a new balance, but I think digital is going to be a bigger part of the future than ever it was in the past. I think, I think that leads us right into that next question there, Jeff. Well, that's what's so funny is like, if you think about it pre this, we were all kind of dabbling, right? I feel like everyone maybe had a, you know, a trade rev, an ACV, a backlot, a occasional simulcast, open lane, all the, all the little avenues that we were kind of, dipping our fingers in here and there and we felt comfortable maybe buying the super low mileage uh, under factory warranty green light all the way through type car and now we're yeah. learning to gain more uh, trust the auctions are providing more credibility through yeah. uh, CR reports and transparency that way and I mean it really and the same thing applies for dealers right I mean you look at us and we're talking about digital retailing. Now, if I want to push that on my consumer and I want to say, hey, consumer, I want you to be able to buy a car 100% online and trust me and my reputation and I'll just deliver the car to you. 
right? Right. I don't need expensive frontage. I don't need, you know, this. And, and the same thing applies to you in the wholesale market, right? I mean, you guys are probably yep. looking at like, wait a minute, we don't need acres and acres of land in these hub locations. Uh, I can, I'm just going to wholesale right off every dealer's back lot inventory, you know, or, or it decentralizes all this stuff and, and yep. technology and those types of things, right? I mean, it, it's really the physical auction and driving cars through a lane with a whole bunch of people smashing into each other. Like that's, I don't know. Is that coming is that back gone? ever? Yeah. Is that gone Peter? Well, I'm sorry, Luke. I said, is, is the physical auction gone or are we going to ever going to come back? Well, you know, I think I'd say two things. One is I personally think physical locations will be a very important part of the industry's future. Obviously, they've been a very important part of the industry's past. I think they'll remain very relevant in the future. Um, we still we still sell, you know, tens of thousands of vehicles each week from physical locations, mm -hmm. and they offer really really valuable services to our sellers and buyers. Um, but I do think increasingly the transactions will take place on digital platforms, right? And so if you think of if you think of the transactional experience, I think that's going to be heavily digital in the future. And you mentioned some of the, some of the brands and you mentioned simulcast and those types of platforms. Um, and I think all those platforms are learning, you know, how do we do excellent condition reports? How, how do we create a good seamless customer experience for the seller and the buyer? Um, how do we give our customers confidence that they know what they're getting? And, and if there's an issue, we take care of it and all that kind of stuff. So those are really the critical, uh, the critical factors, right? Um, now, some of those vehicles, as you said, can be sold from the dealer's back lot, but some of those vehicles need to be, you know, repossessed vehicles, rental defleet vehicles, off-lease vehicles, and a lot of dealer consignment in, in markets where, you know, dealers are very space constrained, etc. Mm. Get that car off my lot, get it to an auction, marshal it, inspect it, secure it, um, sell it from there. So I think it's going to be all of the above, you know, mm. but, but the equation has probably shifted. I think the equation has probably shifted. And then... And then the other question is, you know, the in-lane experience, and you touched on that. And, and again, we're not today running cars in lane at any of our auctions. And I don't foresee us doing that while, while we've got lots of COVID cases across the country and before we have a vaccine. But we, we watch that, we debate that every week in this business. But we do allow dealers to come to our auctions. Um, they can come kick the tires. They can walk the lot. They can bid in person on sale day if they want to. Um, and you know what we're finding is there certainly are some dealers that want to do that. Um, and we absolutely want to offer that. We'll always continue to offer that. Um, but a lot of dealers are increasingly comfortable with the online tools. And we also have to acknowledge that, you know, and a lot of dealers telling us, you know what? I never thought I'd say it, but I, I'm good. I can see the car. I'd like maybe the condition report to be a little better. I'd like maybe if you could change this thing over here. But other than that, I'm feeling pretty good about being at my dealership and doing my buying from here. It, totally. And, uh, you know, that kind of leads us into to the question of, uh, you know, our resilience as dealers right now. Um, we're, we're a tough group. We're hard. We, we don't embrace change very well. You know, <laughs> we've been selling cars off our lot the same way for years. You know, Carvana has, you know, shoved it down our throat that we shouldn't be doing that. Vroom has all these, all these pop-ups that, I think they're, they're going to term themselves as technology companies instead of, of car companies right now um, to get a little more investor money. But, uh, you know, how have you seen, and you talked about this a second ago, how resilient are, are the mom and pop dealerships compared to, to these bigger, to the bigger people, to the bigger companies? 
Listen, I think, you know, there's a word I think of when I think of dealers, it's resiliency and, and uh, you know, just dealers, I think, have always defied the odds. And there have been people predicting that, you know, certain outcomes for car dealers and other They've all been wrong. Dealers find a way to grow and prosper. And that's been my experience. And, and at the end of the day, dealers provide a very valuable service for, you know, for the automotive industry and for the consumers out there. And, and, and I think that that will continue. Um, I think we've been helped, frankly. I think we were, there was a lot of fear, like I said, in April. And we were helped by a market that rebounded maybe faster and stronger than, than any of us thought, you know, and that's good. We, can all, we should all be counter blessings for that and, and, and hope it continues, right? Um, I gotta tell you, I'm not, maybe the part of your comment I don't agree as much with is resistant to change. I find a lot of dealers pretty progressive, you know, and I even talked to some dealers, um, part of my uh, presentation in 98, talked to a few dealers and you know what, these guys were embracing new ways of doing business way before COVID, you know, reaching, how do I get to my, reach my consumers online, different avenues to merchandise my vehicles, acquiring vehicles, uh, you know, so dealers are, um, I, you know, in my experience, pretty, pretty progressive, you know, and uh, I guess what goes with that, if, if, if you're a dealer and you're not, then you got to realize the dealer across the street probably is. Yeah, so if you want to, if you want to keep with it, you got to be open-minded to that. And, and maybe the last one you mentioned, you know, the Carvanas and rooms, I do think, you know, and this is something I touch on as well. I see what those guys are doing. They're really changing the customer experience about how I might acquire or trade in my used vehicle. And they're kind of showing the consumer that there is a different way. And I think that that really is a competitive threat to independent dealers, you know, um, maybe not so much today because of the price point they're selling and it's maybe a bit of a different price point, but you know, these, I think the future of all industries is going to be more and more digital. And that goes to the retail side and the wholesale side. Mm. And you have got to figure out how do I create a great customer experience and enable that through a digital, you know, a digital process. It does, not, maybe not hundred percent digital, but I need to be, I need to be able to create a good digital experience. I need to have a good digital brand. So the consumer even looks at, you know, yeah. do I have the five star rating? Do I have the 4.5, you know, that kind of stuff. So Peter, what have you guys, as you've gotten the feedback from the dealers, what, what have you guys done to, to change or improve that customer experience for us, the dealers, when we interact with, with Odessa and cars and, and the different platforms you guys have, is there anything you can tell us? Like, what should we either guys who haven't been there? What are we experienced? What are we missing out on? And maybe what's coming down the pipeline yeah. from, from us as dealers, making that a more seamless and, and like you said, it's, it's that transparency, it's that, it's that trust yeah. that we can go there and, and know we're getting what we're thinking well, we're getting. So if I go in, good question, Jeff, if I go into, um, you know, some of the stuff we have been working on, um, really trying to make that again, more seamless, more transparent experience for our buyers, you know, many, many of whom are independent dealers. Um, things we've done, you know, last year we rolled out a new simulcast uh, very thankful we did that because we got a lot of positive feedback from dealers and then with a, sort of a full transition to simulcast this spring, it became really important that we had that. We did launch a simulcast plus product, a more automated simulcast that enables more sales and, and stuff like that. Um, on TradeRev, we listened hard to our customers. They had 
Um, they wanted a simpler buying experience and a simpler auction format on TradeRev, and we made that change back in March, and we've seen a lot of growth on TradeRev since making that change, so that's been positively received by customers. We're focusing a lot on things I already mentioned, but we want to be able to do an even better job inspecting cars. You know, the dealer needs to understand when they see the car, this is an accurate description of the vehicle. I'm, I've got a confidence what I what's going to show up, what's going to roll off the truck mm. uh, if I buy this vehicle. The titles, the funds, the customer support. I mean, they're pretty big changes for us because historically our model was, you know, each auction was its own operating center. And each auction kind of did things just a little bit different, you know, 80% yeah. the same, but 20% different. But something we've noticed through this period now is dealers are logging into more auctions because they're coming in digitally. They're not just going to their local auction, but they're going to five auctions, right? Or they're just searching a radius, right? And dealers want to know that I'm going to have a consistent experience no matter where I'm buying from. And that's, that's just normal. That's what we all want. So these are the kind of things that we're focused on. I'd say we're a good way down the path, but we're, you know, we know we've got work to do and, and we're working on it. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, that's a, so important. And I, I've, I've been buying online simulcast ever since it was the ability to do it was. And, and the one thing I could, I, I can say about Odessa is, your condition reports are exactly the same for every auction, which I can't say about the other uh, other competitive in the market in the market there. And I, I really appreciate that that well, that y'all have done that. Um, wholesale volumes have been a real issue over the last, um, I guess, since March. Uh, and and yeah. we're we're used to a normal tightening in March, April of wholesale markets. What I've seen is a lot less repos in the lane. And I know that there's some yeah. moratoriums and this, that, and other. What do you see about um, I guess with new car uh, production down as well. What do you see about the volume? Are we are we looking to have good volume here soon, or is we going to still in this you know tightening right now? You know, I am hopeful, Luke, that we'll see some volume improvement here in the next you know quarter or two. And and let me sort of step through some of those things. But I'll also say we haven't seen it yet. Okay. And I also, this is another thing where it defied expectations because back in April, people were telling us, we've got this glut of cars, there's gonna be a, an ocean of repos, you need to take out more land to store all these cars, there's gonna be no demand. You know, it was that kind of a situation. <laughs> and we ended up with 180 degree opposite of that. We ended up with incredible demand and not enough supply. Um, so I think when I look at the, the, the functions, one is new car production, was curtailed by COVID, right? By factory sh shutdowns. The OEMs are still struggling with that, frankly. Social distancing and the assembly plants makes producing new cars a little tougher. Um, hopefully that, that is getting better. Hopefully it'll continue to get better. Um, uh, off lease, um, because new cars are scarce, off lease cars are in high demand and a lot of the franchise dealers are just buying those up. And frankly, because prices have gone up, lessees aren't even returning them because their residuals below market. So they're like, hey, I got equity on this car. I'll just buy it. Yeah. So there's been less off-lease coming through. Repo moratoriums, you mentioned it. That Those have been real. Repos have been like about half normal the last few months. And uh, and then dealer consignment, dealers, dealers' cars are scarce. So no, nobody's taking, you know, they're not taking the same number of cars to the auction. So all those things have played in. So here's what I think is happening. We're seeing some evidence of increased repo activity. Okay, it's not normal yet but it's up about 20% relative to what it was maybe two months ago in terms of assignments. 
So I think we'll start to see more repos in the auctions fairly soon. And I'm hoping that as new car production ramps up and as you know, prices sort of moderate a little bit, we'll see a more normal supply demand equation. But I wouldn't necessarily predict it in Q4. It might be the start of the year before you get there. Mm. You know? no, it's, gonna make for, it's gonna make for a tight uh, Q2 next year. You yeah, know. if you put that on top of tax time and people wanting to stock up for yeah. the first of the year, and I mean, that it seems like it's gonna yeah. be, a, they're gonna even out. No, yeah. I, I have heard one prediction saying, you know, again, you mentioned repos, that repos this year will be about quarter of a million fewer than normal, but next year likely half a million more than normal. Um, I, I can't really comment on that. Uh, I, I, I think there could be some validity in that. We'll see. Mm. Well, Peter, do yeah. y'all, you would have a, a car as, as a whole probably has a bit of a good gauge for how many repos are coming. Do they, st do some manufacturers store repos at your facilities or can you see them coming in? We, so we, have some, we have some good insight from two things. First of all, we operate a plat technology platform called the Recovery Database Network, RDN. And a lot of uh, automotive finance companies use that for mm -hmm. assignment of their repos. That gives us kind of a one-month preview. Okay. You guys operate RDN? Yeah, we operate RDN. Please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we know about that company. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, you're right, most repossessed vehicles end up at auction. Um, obviously, it, that could be a desk or it could be a competitor auction, but, but we certainly, these cars have to be stored. There's a process on a repo before you can sell it. Uh, so the auctions are really, and that's where, you know, one of the areas real estate is really valuable in, in the repossessed mm. vehicle uh, process. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but great news. The Independent Dealer Podcast has its official first sponsor, Luke. Our very first sponsor. Yeah. Yep. The great guys, Tim, Taylor, Bird, over at Dealer Re have stepped up and said, hey, we're going to sponsor the podcast. That allows us to continue to make the episodes. It allows us to increase our production value, expand our exposure, get the word out to more people. Our promise to the Podcast Nation, Luke, to our listeners, to those that tune in, is that we will not turn this into some sort of paid ad nonsense we are only going to accept sponsors from companies that we use in our own dealerships and that we stand behind and know will benefit those that listen. Dealery is definitely one of those companies, right, Luke? For sure. And I, you know, the history I have with Dealery goes all the way back from 2011. Um, I've known Taylor probably since he was in high school and I've known Tim for all that time. Really good people. This is a quality company. They've, been doing my reinsurance since 2011 and for dealers out there who don't exactly understand what reinsurance is go back and listen to our podcast on it but if you understand what to a point what reinsurance is and you want to investigate it you need to contact dealery uh, that is the single best decision i've made in the car business was setting up my reinsurance company and i know that sounds like a huge statement but it is the truth. It will change your life. It'll change your business and it'll change the way you do business and it'll help your customers as well. So Jeff, I can't recommend anyone more highly than Dealery. Yeah. It's a great first sponsor for us. That's episode 19. If you want to go back to 19, that's May 16th of 2019. Uh, we spoke with Tim. We talked all about reinsurance and how it's going to benefit your dealership. Tune into that. Give the guys over there a call. Explore your options. 
They're doing a special for our podcast listeners. So if you do call them and you say, hey, I want the podcast special, they're throwing in the College of Automotive Management. It's a federal compliance ethics course that's done online. So this is so that you can stay compliant inside your dealership. You can teach your people. It's like a $500 value that they're giving to the podcast listeners when you get signed up with them. We had to have something to sweeten the pot. And also they know that we sent you. Yep. And it's going to be, uh, you get this done, you won't regret it. I promise you that. All right. Back to the episode. Yeah. yeah that, that's so interesting uh, to have that side, that inside and that view, you know, you, you might not get access to some off lease numbers, you know, or, or, or the specifics of what's coming in, but for you guys to have that kind of insight as to assignments, I mean, you're seeing yeah. a two to three to four week preview of what's coming. And you also see what lenders are kind of starting to, you know, uh, pull back uh, those restrictions yeah you know, the big guys start really saying, Hey, all right, we've waited long enough. We got to get, we got to clean this bad debt off before the end of the year or whatever their situation is. You're going to see that coming down yeah. the line. That's, so, that's, a, that's awesome. Yeah, Jeff, I'm looking at that statistic every week because it is predict, it's a predictor of our mm -hmm. volume, you know, at least at some level. So I, I, I want to see it increase because I, I want to see a more normal supply in our industry. Yeah, see, I do the poor man's version where I follow the repo uh, groups on Facebook and see who is talking about what. And then I look at the new car groups and I look at them posting about how they just got three truckloads of uh, Kias in or three, you know, and I'm like, okay, so new cars are starting to flow. The repo guys say their assignments are starting to flow. Uh, I feel like that's going to, you know, come together at some point. If, 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 you, if you put it all together... I'd say the odds are we see um, some level of increased supply, maybe not all the way back to normal, but I think we've, we've been, you know, 20-ish percent below normal the last month or two. I, I think we're going to get closer to normal. Yeah. So have you seen so, a drop in demand in the last, um, in the last 30 days? We've seen a, a weak, a slight weakening of conversion in conversion rates. You know, they were exceptionally strong in, in July for sure, June, July yeah. into August. Um, I would say they're still strong relative to historical sort of norms, mm -hmm. um, but they're certainly a few points weaker than they were eight weeks ago. Yeah, for sure. Back to the norm. And that's Luke anecdotally. I think you said that even recently, Luke, that yeah, hey, I'm, it, it, I'm anecdotally yeah. seeing some, some regular prices, a few more uh, no sales. Um, I think know, that's the first like thing that. to look at is the no sales. And when you see the no sales, you, you realize what's going on and, and, and certain cars right. only bringing all the money. Um, yeah, 60 days ago, every car is bringing all the money. Now it's gotta be the exact right car to bring all the money is what I see in the market. And that's, that's often fairly normal this time of year too, a yeah. little bit of a correction in the fall. Right. So it's not necessarily, uh, yeah. you know, unusual. Yeah. And especially so, with dealers, I think getting used to the digital buying, you're not, you know, you're going to step up on the, something with a great CR and, and you know, is in the wrapper, but you're a little more scared on the projects because maybe you got yeah. burned or those well, are things. That's probably been the big story, really. If, if you look at our wholesale business, the significant, the thousands of dealers, tens of, probably tens of thousands, really, more than 10,000 even at our company, who have kind of adopted online buying, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd say generally are having success with it would be yeah. what I would yeah. hope. I mean, it's not, uh, obviously, maybe it's not for everybody, but it certainly seems to be working for most and, and uh, a, lot, a lot of comfort being established with that. Yeah, that seems like how you really crack the code of, of wholesaling digitally is how do, you re, how do you digitally replicate me being there 
with my hands on the car. And, and yeah. like you said, technology will get to the point where you maybe put the car in some booth and it goes on a virtual test drive through the gears and you hear the engine and it's a 360 video and you can smell the thing somehow. I don't know. But like you crack the code of me physically being there, especially at my price point. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm cheaper. Everything's mostly red light. That, yeah, whatever that recipe is. But, but really the point is, is dealers right now, getting auction values and book values wholesale to retail between what you're seeing at the auctions and what NADA and Kelly is telling me this car's worth. That's where the, the hardest rub for me is, is like, you know, you guys, we adjust auction values on a, you know, weekly or 30 day rolling or whatever right. it is. Why is it that the banks and the books don't get on board? I just don't understand it. I've oh. probably got half my inventory that I am into you know, full retail right now. That is a good question. I don't know that I'm the best place to comment, but I will yeah. say, and, and, and this, this has been sort of, I even had a conversation with the coworker on this this week. As our digital transaction volume gets, you know, so much more liquid, which it is today, right? Everything is digitally, everything, and everything digital leaves a footprint, right? That's That's mm -hmm. the other thing, right? So... You know, our ability to give a dealer, hey, this is what these cars are transacting for right now, not a week ago, not some average on it, but like, you know, data driven through the technology, like for like kind of vehicles. I think we can, I think we can do a better job there. And then again, that ties into another part of my message at the, at the at NIADA is, is just, you know, leveraging data. You know, one thing I will say about our industry, you know, there's a lot of, uh, strong personalities, you know, a lot of uh, people who, you know, go on their gut and their instinct and it served them well. Um, but I'd, I'd say there's also place for data, you know, in, in all our decision making, right? And uh, maybe I'm, I'm probably a pretty heavily data driven kind of guy. I, I, I look to really try and validate my opinions with what do the facts say. But I think uh, the tools that are available to dealers today, whether it's how to price a car, how to reach consumers, um, there's a lot of uh, a lot more data around than ever before. And um, you know, leveraging that is something probably we could all benefit from. Is that is is that what good dealers today are, are good dealers today? Are we using data to to be more profitable? Is that is is that what it takes yeah. to to be successful? I think it is. I think it's uh, what are the right cars to source. Um, what are the most effective ways to reach my retail consumers? You know, um, I was talking to one dealer, you know, he telling me about, you know, the online systems he's using to reach consumers and how every, every sales lead is tra traceable and trackable and metrics against that. Um, I think with digital buying, I see a lot of dealers buying further afield. You know, they were going into their local auction, they were buying within their metro or whatever. But now they're looking within a thousand mile radius and they're yep. saying, hey, you know what? I'm not limited to this. I, I, I've got a much. And so what do I really need? What are the vehicles that are really going to work for me? You know, not just what happens to be running down the lane today because I'm here. You know, that is so uh, important. I, I, I had that problem for years. I didn't understand that selling what I can buy at my local auction isn't necessarily what the people that I'm selling to want. And when I learned yep. to when I learned to fish in a bigger pond. I, uh, I quickly sold more inventory because I had the inventory that people wanted. Exactly right. And, you know, it sometimes surprises me when I see a 
five or six thousand dollar vehicle getting moved, you know, five or six hundred dollars of transport, I think, well, that's like 10% of the value of the vehicle there. It's, it seems like nuts. But on the other hand, that dealer, I mean, they're not doing that for fun. They know that, hey, it's worth that, you know, all in that's 5,500. That's the right car for my store. Yep. And um, again, I think, you know, the data and the digital can help you uh, exploit those types of opportunities and give you an edge. Agreed. Well, Peter, we, we really enjoyed having you here. Jeff, you got anything else? That is awesome, Peter. I mean, obviously, if people, they're going to check out your NIADA uh, session. I, again, I don't know if it already aired or if it's going to air. Um, and then to connect with you further, I'm assuming LinkedIn um, is, is the best way to follow what you're on doing. LinkedIn. I, I am on LinkedIn. Um, you can connect with me there. Also, peter.kelly at Car Global gets, uh, gets, gets an email into my inbox. And okay. uh, yeah, would love to connect. And um, hey, really appreciate this opportunity, gentlemen. And uh, it was great, great talking with you here today as well. Thank you, Peter. Thanks, Peter. Thank you both. Thank you for joining us today. Hope this episode inspired you to take positive action. Remember to subscribe so you get each episode the day it comes out. And we would love your help spreading the word. Leave us a review and share this podcast with your dealer friends. Dealers helping dealers learn and grow together.